Hey, welcome to the Art of Podcast. I'm Jeff Wood. This is episode one. Thank you for tuning in. Today, we'll be talking with a good friend of mine, Evan Butte, a visual artist and photographer hailing from Nashville, Tennessee, whose work spans from anything from fashion photography to abstract visual art. In this conversation, Evan and I will be discussing his beginnings as an artist, how emotion and thought affect the creative process, what it means to create, and the relationship between social media and the artist. I hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as I did. Okay, so you you first came to visual art via the camera. Why why did you pick up a camera in the first place? Um, well, when I was younger, um, the camera was video, um, and I really liked taking videos, mostly because uh, that's I grew up skateboarding and biking and and inlining and was just kind of a sporty kid. And so videos were something that I always watched on YouTube to learn how to do a skate trick or even just watch my favorite skateboarders skate. Um, So I wanted to film things and I wanted to uh, kind of document just what me and my friends were doing around the neighborhood when I was younger. Um, So I was just buying cameras or having my parents buy me cameras for Christmas or my birthday or something. Um, and then I would go and sell a camera and buy a better or new one. Um, and it just kind of grew and grew like that. And then I ended up getting a, a still camera, a photography camera. And, um, and that was fun too, but it was never really something that I actually thought about was like an artistic, um, expression. It was more of just something I did because that's, because I just gravitated towards it and my friends were doing it. It was cool. It was whatever. So I mostly did all of that because my friends were doing it. Um, and which was still fun. Um, so I got my first real camera from, um, the owner of my local skate shop called the Franklin skate shop. Um, his name was Donnie and he had a, like some Canon SLR that he was selling, um, for like 300 bucks with a lens. Um, so I had, I think I had some money from Christmas or I asked my mom to get it for me for Christmas or something. So we went together, we bought it from Donnie and I used that for a while. And that kind of, that kind of got me thinking about digital photography, um, in a, in like a more advanced way. Um, because there was, you know, aperture and shutter speed and ISO and all that stuff that I had to think about instead of like an automatic camera. So that kind of sparked all of that, and then I kind of didn't really do a lot of that for a while when I was in when I was in um, high school because I was just focused on art class and drawing and stuff. And in middle school, I had uh, I had a teacher that taught me some things with charcoal, which we'll get to later. But um, but then the camera kind of came back around when I was in probably junior year of high school when I got an iPhone and my friends and I would run around the city, uh, taking photos for Instagram. Mm. So that kind of sparked the like fun part of, uh, using a camera in a way to document the things I was doing or just to take pictures of my friends around the city. A lot of it was just to like be cool and make friends, but, um, but it was still very fun and I had kind of a background already in it. Um, so that's kind of how all of that happened. So when you were going around taking photos for Instagram 
in what, what like, were you just shooting? Here's me in front of a bridge, or oh, was it uh, just like, like, were you doing, were you taking more artistic liberties, mm-hmm. like, or were you just shooting like skate vids on on mm-hmm. your phone kind of thing? I think it was somewhere. Um, the reason, well, let me try and think about it. I'm gonna <laughs> it's word okay. it. It's okay. Um, we basically what we would do is. Instagramming was an activity. Instagramming was a verb at this point in time. It was like 2014. And um, so what you did when you went Instagramming is essentially you would meet at a coffee shop. Um, I think this was sometime in the winter when everybody was on Christmas break. Um, So you would just meet at a coffee shop. So we'd go to Crema, which we never, me and my friends were, you know, pretty young and I didn't grow up in in Nashville I grew up in Franklin so we didn't have like cool coffee shops and stuff so going to a cool coffee shop was pretty cool it was like it was really cool and um so we'd go to some cool coffee shop and we would order like a hot chocolate because we didn't drink coffee and um and we would talk about the filters that we were using oh yeah you know on our on our editing apps and which apps were the better ones and how to edit like this guy or how to whatever um, or how to make your pictures look like real like like professional cameras, even though they were shot on iPhone. And um, and so then we would leave the coffee shop and we would kind of drive around and look for locations that we thought were cool. Um, so we would go to like abandoned buildings or we would go to these like kind of random uh parts of the town that nobody was really in or in front of a train or anything like that and find uh just stuff that we gravitated towards and stuff that we also saw our favorite photographers places that they would probably go if they were in nashville um so we would run around and we would take photos of locations that we thought were really cool um and yeah i think some of it was artistic a lot of it was more of just how to line up a photo it was more compositional than like artistic expression um and um we'd take a lot of like portraits of each other and stuff which was really fun um and it it actually helped me a lot to learn about lighting and things like that really the whole the whole time when we were doing all of that was honestly just like fun stuff um it was kind of our way of just like having some type of freedom um just because we weren't, you know, we weren't in school and we weren't like hanging out at our houses. We just like needed something to do. So we were running around taking pictures with our phones. Um, and um, yeah, it was just kind of like a way to find our voice, I guess, because um, we all thought we were going to be photographers. You know, we thought we were going to be professional photographers at one point because we thought we were so good. And um, but really, it was just we were mimicking the people that we thought were the best and we were kind of trying to find our own voice in that. And, you know, cause Nashville is, got super saturated with photographers because of that whole Instagramming verb. Um, and, uh, and everybody thought they were going to be photographers and now everybody is a photographer, you know? So, uh, it's, it's funny how that whole kind of mindset, made you think about the possibility of becoming a photographer because of your phone, you know? Um, right. Random, random people could just see 
your friends could see random people could see your photos yeah any i mean anyone can see your your pictures and if they think they're good enough and if they think they look professional then you know you could get hired you know or you could yeah like you could make money from from a social platform it's it was weird but we were that's where we were thinking right. we were like when i after you know probably a year or something of just running around having fun it's i bought a camera and it started becoming more of like yeah this is fun but also like i'm pretty okay at it and i think i could probably get hired a few times you know and make some money on it so it started to become monetary and that's kind of where that went off you mentioned that in art classes where you started working with charcoals and things like that mm-hmm. when did when did you make that jump because a lot of your work now uses paints and, and charcoals and things like that when was that a thread that was running in your life in, in addition to the Instagram uh-huh. and uh, and shooting <clears throat> video and thing like that so after that I was I was in this homeschool tutorial thing and we had this um, art teacher that came the year that I was there and his name was Derek Clifton and he was this very um, just professional charcoal portrait artist incredible stuff it was just his his process was all um, is where you put on pigment and then you take it away so he would just cover the paper with charcoal and then he would use an eraser pretty much 80% of the time just erasing things and creating highlights it's kind of just this inverse way of drawing which was super cool and interesting to me. And um, so when he came on onto board at that school, um, art class was basically just a room full of easels and drawing paper, and he would just have the class draw for you know an hour or so. So we would be drawing these portraits, and um, because that's what he was specialized in, so he was just teaching what he knew to teach. <clears throat> he was incredible, and. Um, so I just remember drawing my first portrait of some picture I found on the internet, some Google image of a, of like a side lit portrait of some, some Asian boy or something. And I drew it and it was the, it was one of the best feelings I've had, I've like had ever had because I finished this piece that to me in my eyes was the, like a glorious master masterpiece. But comparatively, if you put it side by side to one of Derek's pieces, it was like trash. But to me, I had made it. You know, I was yeah. like, I was, I was like, wow, I'm, I'm good at something. And um, so, I just kept doing that for a while. I w- instead of just doing it in art class, I would go home, and I would draw faces in my sketchbook. I would draw big charcoal drawings of. I drew a big one of like Bob Marley and um, John Mayer and. Uh, I did uh, I did a bunch of like smaller drawings in my sketchbook of um, of like f- celebrities like Robert Downey Jr. and Audrey Hepburn and stuff. I was just trying to um, like correctly draw a face and try and understand the small differences that make up the differences of different human faces. Um, and I just thought it was so interesting the intricacy that was like inside of that. <clears throat> Yeah, I think it's interesting that for it, it 
you came to art and and drawing and painting and, and photography and all those things in a very organic way uh, but not in the same sense of like ever since you were a little boy you were just doodling in class mm-hmm. and then um, and I kind of like come from a background where I, I was around uh, like in an art school and so like everyone was super about the fine arts like from the get-go mm-hmm. um, and while that was great and you know being you know 14 and thinking like uh, that you just like it's just tomorrow you're going to be in some major gallery mm-hmm. in New York you know and and kind of like treating life like that while that was great I think it's really interesting how organic um, and how natural your entry into art was for mm. sure. Yeah, and to me, I didn't. Um, I think I was really reserved towards um, creating with. My, I think that's why I used a camera so much, is because it's almost a more practical form of art um, to the adult because my parents aren't artists. None of my family is really artists. They're all Southern folks, um, which is okay. Like, that's awesome, But um, and I love them, but I didn't grow up with arts, you know? I didn't right. grow up around that, and so all I knew really was, like, from when I was younger was, like, anime was art, and, um, and then, like, videos were cool and fun to make. It was just something to create. I think I just ultimately wanted to create and doing videos and photos were just like my the most practical form of that. I think there was this stigma that like drawing and painting was like not something that everybody should do. Um, but as I as I kind of got, got older, I think it was um, I'm just very happy that um, that I was able to follow that pull towards something um, because I think if I would have shoved that down and stifled that and tried to be something else like a farmer or something I think I wouldn't have I don't think I would be happy doing that so I'm glad I had the I think that's something that was good in my upbringing that I felt like I had the the um the what's the word I felt like I had the freedom to follow that pull towards creating um because ultimately that's what I cared about when I was younger that's what I care about now um so yeah, I think in that sense, I think if you, I think to have something organic and natural to happen in your art language or in your, in anything that you do, it has to just be from that pull from inside of you towards one thing, and you just kind of have to listen. Earlier, you mentioned um, when you were taking photos, you're like, "This is too fast. This doesn't." This doesn't feel like it has meaning. Yeah. But your background, um, you know, even from as early as making, you know, skate vids with your friend was documentation. Do you feel like the work you're creating now is is an extension of documentation? Is is it is it just a more thorough documentation you were talking about? You could explore so many different angles and things like that. Mm-hmm. Is is this slowing down? this kind of at times retreating from the connected world retreating from you know the camera lens is it a way of Mm. of kind of documenting are you still documenting Mm. things but just in a much slower pace i think uh i think there is some documentation in there and if i can jump forward to this um 
to the show the whole show is called mind garden because it's it's about tending to the mind and um the whole process of painting for me uh is about processing and understanding and essentially meditating and listening um to what it is that the painting wants or what i what i need to express or whatever it is and um and so I think maybe maybe it is a type of documentation of um, where my head is at, an abstract documentation of my my brain, and that's why I named it Mind Garden, because I think it is a visualization of how all of everything I'm thinking about or whatever comes to one place um, and is organized or charted or whatever um, in some form. For me, at least, that's how I view it. Um, but I think um, I think the only style of document of photography or videography that I that I would still do today is documentary um, because um, for my birthday in March I got a very small very um, very low low key inconspicuous camera digital camera. Um, that I could use just on the go whenever I wanted to take pictures because I didn't want to lug around my big camera anywhere to like take pictures and I started bringing that everywhere I went and took photos of what we were doing and when my friends would come over at night and we would just have fun I'd be taking pictures of them the whole time and I really enjoyed that actually a whole lot um, but um, but I think that if I was to still take pictures, I would I would do that same thing, but probably just with film um, and figure out a way to like print things differently or do, or do something different with it. Cause I just I just love paper and tangible things so much that uh, I just couldn't just throw up pictures on the internet uh, like that. Um, so to answer your question, I'd say partially it's uh, documentation. I think a lot of it is. Um, I mean. It's just so hard to, exp it's kind of hard to explain because um, I think I don't fully understand what I'm doing right. right now. I think there were so many years when I was younger that I was so focused on technical aspects of drawing and painting um, with lines and shading and proportion and all of that stuff. And I think now that I'm in a different phase where I'm, I'm just abstracting all of those things but still using techniques. And I was talking to a friend yesterday about how we spend so much time trying to master a technique um, and then once that has become second nature um, we get into this zone where everything else is so subconscious um, and you're just creating out of this like feeling and out of this um, it's like this I don't know you just follow something and it leads you to this new place that you like you can't you couldn't consciously just be like I'm gonna paint that you know you have to like allow it to evolve into something think a lot of that is at, uh, what abstract art is it's just like following something some little like blip of um, of excitement for you or whatever it is um, and um, so I don't know if it's I mean it's probably partially documentation just because it's this subconscious thing in my head that's throwing things out there and like create like creating the lines and all of that stuff and um, I mean I'm sure you could you could find a lot of documentation about my brain in there or something but um it's not a formative or descriptive documentation of anything by any means 
So how do you, you talked about mind garden, tending to the garden of your mind. How is it that you do that? Is it through this, this work or? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I think that's, uh, and that's mostly why I named, named the show that and not just like, and I didn't just like write that down in my journal as like, this is a, this is a season of life that I'm tending to my mind. I named, (laughs) I named the show that because the show is what helped me do that. Um, or the, the work is what helped me do that. Um, because you spent, I mean, I spent, I spent four hours at, at one time just standing in front of a canvas putting paint and drawing lines and all this stuff and you have so much time to just think <clears throat> and you have so much time to hear all the voices in your head about what you're scared of and um, what you assume people are going to think about you and your work or blah 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 um, and you have a lot of things going on in your head that a lot of times you don't even realize and that was for me I had to notice and be aware of those subconscious things coming up um, and grow from them and listen to them, hear them and allow them to pass by. It's just very meditative. Um, that's kind of why I called it a garden and not like a, anything else. I called it a garden because I've walked in, you know, like cheek wood or something or, or a friend's garden or something before. And there's something about it that is very meditative and almost spiritual that kind of makes you, uh, it gives you just like a very fresh, um, I don't know anything about nature really just like pushes me to it helps you feel more human or something and um so that's kind of where the whole mind garden thing came from and um i mean if if it's the same as if you woke up and um spent like you know 20 minutes just silent just thinking about uh things because at the same time that you're thinking about things when you're painting, you're thinking about all this stuff that's going on in your life, but you're also making decisions based on those things um, because some things will make you feel more aggressive um, if you're thinking about something that made you mad or something will make you feel um, romantic or any type of these feelings. And that will actually influence your your decision-making when you're actually putting down paint or, or a line or something. This idea of creating and meditating and, or like you said something about um, making you feel more human. Is there something about creating that makes you feel more human? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And... I think it's funny too because I think it makes me feel it makes me feel human because of that tangible aspect it's something that I actually made um which is great but it also sometimes makes me feel more alien because um I don't know a lot of people that create like make tangible work um I know I know a few but um but because of how digital and how fast-paced everything is spending a week on on one thing that you're creating is um almost foreign to a lot of people and so um it does also at times make me feel different um rather than connected and and human um but yeah i think i think a lot of that whole human aspect is just that um 
you know, we're made up of natural elements and things like that. And so the whole nature thing and how organic and naturey my that mind garden set looks like um, is what I connect with as like a human aspect. Mm-hmm. They they have these feelings of um, of these like raw natural elements in them, right. and I think that's what's so human about them um, is that they have this like uh, yeah like a very organic um, co- like connection to nature or something. This energy that's very natural, um, and I think that's what ultimately that I connect with in the paintings um, is that feeling of walking through a garden or even just sitting on my porch and and looking at this big tree in our yard or you know the leaves on the ground or whatever it's like this this thing that you can feel and hear and um, you know and smell and it's very sensory and I mean, I've posted the I've posted the pictures of them on the internet, but I think when you stand in front of them, especially that really big one, you kind of get in it and you kind of feel those things. I think. Yeah, that's something, and we talked about this when I went to the Museum of Modern Art. When you when you stand in front of a physical work, mm-hmm. I mean, a, a picture. Going back to what we were saying. A picture really only displays the technical details, right? Right. But when you stand in front of a body of work, you start feeling the presence. You start mm-hmm. feeling the thing that's on the other side yeah. of that. That's interesting. It's yeah. It's um, it's something that I think probably every artist, every abstract artist, um, really wants for people to view it in that way, because it is um. It's almost like frightening to to work so hard on any one thing and put it on the internet for people to pass by. Um, you know, you spend a, you know, I don't know, 12 to 20 something hours on one particular painting um, and then you put it on the internet and everybody, you know, swipes past it. Yeah. <laughs> Which I think so many artists get lost because of that um which the internet is great for sharing and for noticeability and um accessibility and stuff but um but that's why i'm excited to have the show and it's my first show and i I did spend a lot of time on it and i just want people to stand in front of them for you know however long they want to and i want them to try to just allow themselves to be kind of sucked in because there's a lot to look at. There's a lot going on. Um, there's a lot of small nuances that you can, your eye just travels over it. And it is like walking through a garden, I think. There's just these like tiny details that um, you connect with. And for me, I, I try to create something that I would like to look at or that I would like to get. And, and when I'm painting it, I get lost in it. And that's just the fun of it. And the beauty of it is um, it just brings you into a whole new world. Um, so that's kind of how I want it to be viewed as in, you know, in person, because yeah, like you said, being at the MoMA and seeing, I don't know, did you see a Rothko or something? what did you see? (coughs) Anything in particular? Well, it was, it was two things. Uh, Um, one was Pollock's Mm -hmm. that, you know, that really famous Pollock work, Mm -hmm. um, and another one was Van. Another one was Van Gogh. Mm. Um, the Pollock one 
just the pure size of it. Yeah. Um, and I not real, you know, because you you look at these things on your phone, and it's it's the size of your sm- phone or smaller, right. and so like you're like, that's just a bunch of lines. It's like a couple of inches. Yeah, and so then you stand in front <laughs> of it, and all of a sudden those lines are longer than you are. Yeah. You yeah. know, and you're just it, it's exactly just, it's intoxicating, and mm-hmm. then I think the thing about the Van Gogh is when you're looking on a phone or on a screen, you see the lines, right? And you're like, oh, that's interesting. There's very stark lines. You can see how he's kind of bunched up some paint in a certain way. But when you stand in front of one of his works, you see the motion, Mm -hmm. you see the movement. Mm -hmm. But he's not like, you know, it's not blurry. Right. It's just this use of line in a Mm -hmm. way where you just, you feel like you're looking at something that's moving. Uh And so. It's like a living. Thing. Yeah, yeah, it really is, and yeah, I I totally agree. There's a lot of energy inside of the work um, because of how the the painter decided to put it on there. Um, when I was I went to the LACMA in Los Angeles um, when I was there in last year, um, and we saw the Agnes Martin show, mm-hmm. which was the first time I had ever experienced her work. I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know who she was. And we walked in and she had so much work there and they were big. They were so big and so subtle. Um, and I had never experienced a, a, an image so gentle, like her, her color usage and the amount of non-contrast that there was, was unbelievable. And like you, you literally just feel like so, like the paintings are just so innocent and you're in this like beautiful like childhood that's like perfect when you're when you're standing in front of them and um i think that's really cool that like i as me as an artist i can also experience other artists work in a really visceral way because of how i've understood the way that i want my artwork to be viewed you know so i totally agree um i mean that was really an experience, and I also um, saw some of Andy Warhol's work in Austin, Texas, when I was there. Um, there's, I mean, it's just so cool to see something bigger than you are yeah. <laughs> that is a painting, and you thought it was, you know, the size of your TV or the size of your phone or or whatever, but then you get there and it's literally the size of a wall, and you're like stunned because you're swimming in this like pool that's like a painting. It's crazy. So something we're kind of skirting around is this, what is social media? What is, what is the artist's relationship with social media? And this is something I've been chewing on a lot, uh, and I kind of wanted to, to get your opinions on it. Yeah. For you as an artist, how do you define that relationship? When do you let it, when do you let it inform your life when do you let it inform your creating and when do you say okay it's just a thing you know mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um and is uh, beyond the exposure what is the value of mm. of social media yeah if uh, so many people treat it as a swipe you know sure yeah that's i think it can be really dangerous in a lot of ways um and and that's exactly I, I will say it can be dangerous and it can be beneficial and I'll talk about both sides. Um, the way that it's dangerous, um, 
when I decided to take that break from my phone and from the internet um, is when I realized that it was actually super dangerous to my mental capacity towards what I was creating um, because I would wake up and I would immediately reach for my phone to check and see if people were liking me. Hmm. And I think there was this connection between liking me and liking my work and all of that stuff. Um, and um, so it can get really dangerous because there's a lot of security stuff um, wrapped up in that. Um, and there's a lot of, I think because of the internet and because of social media, we, we just subconsciously worry about everyone at the same time. Yeah. And I noticed how much space that was taking up in my head about, you know, what's this person doing? Or or even just assuming what people were thinking about me at any certain time, which you literally can't know that unless someone tells you what they're thinking about you, um, which it's it's just pointless thought. Um, and so I, I noticed that I was aware of it and I was physically becoming irritated um, using my phone and looking at my phone. And so that time when I when I stopped using it, I just would turn it off for like three days at a time or something. And, um, it allowed me to become more present and enjoy my work. I, I wouldn't post anything. So I would create something. I would leave it in my room and just enjoy it for myself and my roommates. And we, you know, we'd talk about it and figure out what was good and bad about it and, and all this stuff. And then, um, and then I would go share it because then I already knew that I liked it and that I had a security with the work before I even gave it to somebody else to look at. Um, so it didn't matter if they liked it or not, you know, it was just out there because it was mine. Um, so I think the danger of it is finding your security in it. Um, but then the, the great beneficial side is that anyone has access to look at it. You know, I've met so many people and had, um, you know, I've actually gotten a lot of business from it. I think that's the, the, the most beneficial thing for me so far has been um, people can see my work and immediately message me about a picture or a painting that I just posted and say, hey, man, how much is this? You know, or can I buy this from you? Or um, could you do me one of these? Or like, yeah, I've gotten a lot of commissions or whatever from it. Um, so that's been super beneficial. And, I, you know, that's why I use it. Right. It's so accessible. Um, and most people don't even view your website very much. It's good to have it yeah. because it's a credential. Right. But it's it's. Um, it's not something that's like widely used very much anymore by a lot of people, um, unless it's like a store, like a website store. Um, but otherwise, your Instagram is your most your most accessible because everyone can see more like what kind of artist you are, um, and so it's cool. Um, I mean, it's fun, and I think for an artist, I think you just have to be careful about. Um, you have to just be aware. I think you just have to be conscious of how you're using it, um, how much you're using it, and the way that you're using it, um, and and really what you want to get out of it. Um, because I think if you're just using it as a business, then like people can tell. Right. Um, I think I think mostly <laughs> I just I just want to share. Um, you know what I, what I do because I enjoy it and I want people to see it. Um, and. And if I get business from it, that's great, but I'm using it as a sharing platform right now um, because I can't always have a show, you know. And it's just a way for me to to present my, my work, even just my sketchbooks or something that just, you know, stuff that I have fun doing that I can let other people know about. Um, and if they hit me up, that's great about buying stuff. But um, 
it's yeah. more of a it's more of an open door mm-hmm. yeah exactly it's just accessibility allowing like giving people the chance to view your stuff um and i've found other artists that i really like on there and um there's actually this really cool thing that i got to be a part of um a few months ago that guy josh elrod um at wilder he's he's an incredible artist he was um actually in the blue man group for a little bit and has done some really amazing things um he's worked on films and he's a painter and all this stuff but um he's been a huge influence on uh my life just how i work and um but he created this thing called the the dda um which originally i think in like the 90s or something he had coined as the ga which was the gentleman's agreement um essentially it's um it's just this thing where you take a month and instead of doing some unproductive unhealthy um activity you replace it with a draw with drawing something or creating a, a work and um so he he kind of revived that agreement that he made with one of his friends in the 90s and did that a few months ago with a bunch of artists and what he did was is he created an instagram page called the dda the daily drawing agreement and invited he sent out an email to i don't know how many of his uh artist friends um and he sent one to me and he said hey guys i'm you know reviving this thing that i started in the 90s and um so we're just all going to take a month to replace any bad habits or even just just to do it draw something every day and share it on this private instagram so only we could see it oh interesting mm-hmm. so it was less about sharing to the unknown world of followers and more of sharing to the people that you know are there um, and you could share it anonymous, anonymously without saying your name um, or you could tag yourself or you could you know whatever um, so I would wake up and I would draw something and I would share it and that was actually a really cool experience because um, because I wasn't thinking about you know hopefully like I get this many likes on it or something it's more of just it was more of like um, this is a way for me to just create something and not think about it um, and it's practice it's sketchbooking essentially um, and also to see how everybody else sketchbooks and what their processes are and it was really cool just scrolling through and being like super inspired by all these incredible artists from around the globe that were just on this one Instagram page um, so that was really really fun um, and that actually got me into a really cool swing of um, of doing something every day so I would say in that respect uh, social media is really awesome like I would do that all the time well I think because there was a there was an intentional community mm-hmm. right it mm-hmm. wasn't just like open yourself up right. to the elements so right. to speak it was like this is a community mm-hmm. with a common goal and a common, common vision yeah interesting yeah and I think and I mean in in any uh, in any like circumstance of an artist's life I think they should always find their people and the people that have common goals and um, surround themselves with those people because that's what keeps me going um i have friends that i just spend so much time with that encourage me and critique me or whatever and um that's been where my most growth has been so i think just to use a platform that could be dangerous as a good platform um and kind of flip it around was a really cool idea and you know um, i'm just super glad that i was part of it because it helped me grow a lot 
there's a lot of artists on there that I'm actually super inspired by and like actually really look up to and admire. Um, so it was just cool to see kind of their day to day uh, work that they were just kind of doodling and throwing things out. So that was really fun. Just a very low pressure environment. So uh, I know the next big thing for you is you're moving to New York. Talk about that. Okay. Um, so basically my work right now is, um, I mean the show, I finished all the work for the show like a month or two ago. And so now I'm kind of creating these new pieces using masking techniques and kind of trying this new world. But New York for me, um, is not going to be so much for creating, um, as it is for learning. My plan is to go there and to, to learn from other artists. Um, because like I said earlier, I didn't grow around, grow up around the art community or the art world. Um, and New York has been the epi- like an epicenter, you know, for art, um, for a while now. And so people moved there in the 60s and 70s because it was cheap and they could get studio space for cheap and living space for cheap um and that's why it became what it is now but i'm not going there to get a studio because it's not cheap um i'm going there so i can learn um about the world of art and its commerce um and so what's next would be probably to um work under some artists assist some people in turn um learn and learn and learn and then maybe in the next five years, um, move to a, a less known city, a less um, popular city, get a studio and, and work um, on my own things and have shows and things like that. But right now it's it's meeting people, it's um, learning and all of that stuff. Okay. Shower voice. <laughs> so that's, that's that. Cool, thank you so much. Well, I'd really like to thank Evan for sitting down and talking with me and, and having such a wonderful conversation. Uh, because of people like him, the show can happen. So make sure you follow Evan on Instagram at evan.butte. That's B-O-U-T-T-E. And thank you once again for listening. I'd like to thank uh, Connor Wilson and Thomas Harbin for making the music of this episode. And be sure to look out on November 8th for the next episode. So until then, signing off.